0: Our passage today is from Mark chapter five twenty one through forty three. Mark five twenty one through forty three. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came on one. Of, then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him. He fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat.
1: Jenny Dietrich said that she anticipated the fever and the body aches and the exhaustion and the gasping for air. But what Jenny said she didn't anticipate was the way that friends and family would react and the guilt and the shame that would be heaped on her. Jenny Dietrich is a 54-year-old living near Tampa, Florida, and in July she was diagnosed with COVID-19. The night after she was tested, she stood at the end of her neighbor's driveway, she says, and she told her neighbors from a long distance that she couldn't taste or smell, and she was waiting for the results. And her neighbor yelled from a distance at her, how could you do this to us? She called her boss at the job site to tell him she wasn't coming in, and he just never bothered to call her back. Her primary care doctor told her to take Tylenol, but whatever you do, don't come in the office. If it gets really bad, go to the hospital. Dietrich said, even the doctor was rejecting me. No one came to check on her. Her, The neighbors that she'd spoken to at the end of the driveway didn't even call. Instead, that neighbor shamed her on Facebook, posting, you should stay away when you know you have symptoms. And when the test finally did come back positive, Dietrich said, I felt like a leper. Because you see, nobody blames you. Nobody blames you when you get a heart murmur or a brain tumor or muscular dystrophy. But some illnesses bring shame and scorn, linking someone's fate to their choices. And with COVID-19, the judgment tends to swirl. Did you get a little too close to a coworker? Did you just travel? Did you go out to eat? Were you singing with a church choir? You know, Dietrich said I'd never felt the stigma of being labeled. It was like people thought I was trying to intentionally get them sick. And now, three months later, while her body has mostly healed, she says the emotional scars still haven't healed. She's scared to go out, scared to be around people. She gets anxiety attacks now, which she never had before. And the anxiety attacks make it hard to breathe, which then makes her fear that she's getting sick again. Friends, some sicknesses carry with them a stigma, a shame associated with the disease. I read an article this week why some people it was titled why some people are shaming others for getting covid-19. And the author said people assume a person with the coronavirus diagnosis must have broken the rules somehow. They're clearly careless about social distancing or have little concern for the health and safety of others. So along with the suffering, the the sickness that comes comes shame and stigmatization. And friends, many today are suffering. You know, my final check on the statistics on Friday afternoon, 17.3 million people have been infected with COVID-19 in the United States. And 311,000 have died. Well, friends, that first Christmas, the first Christmas, the angel showed up to the shepherds and announced good news of great joy for all people. And if it's good news of great joy for all people, it must include the sick, And the shamed, the suffering, the grieving, and the dying. So where's the good news? What is the good news for the sick and shamed, the suffering, the grieving, and the dying? In the account that Kevin read for us today. You know, we hear two stories and they're intertwined in their telling and intertwined in their message. It's the tale of two daughters. It's the tale of two daughters. Sick the shamed, the dying, both of them brought home. The account begins with Jairus, a leader in the synagogue, and he's falling before Jesus, begging for the life of his daughter. Now, this was a prominent synagogue ruler, and the image of him humiliating himself, literally throwing himself at the feet of some itinerant teacher, would have been shocking to those looking on that day. But friends, this man, he's desperate. He's desperate. His daughter is dying. You know, as long as we think we have it all under control, as long as we think we have options, as long as we still hope we we can make it right right ourselves, we're never going to humiliate ourselves and fall at the feet of some first century itinerant Jewish rabbi. But Jairus was at the end of his rope. And so he went the only place where there was still any potential of hope. The feet of Jesus. And friends, maybe some of you are here today feeling that same position. You're coming to the end. To the end of your rope. The end of what you can humanly do. And now it's time to reach beyond yourself and throw yourself at the feet of Jesus. In the hope that he will hear. And that he can answer. You know, because Jairus shows us what faith truly is. Friends, faith, belief, is not some sterile intellectual consent to a creed. Faith is not empty words. Faith is throwing yourself at the feet of Jesus. And saying, I am powerless. And you are powerful. And confessing, you are my only hope. That's what faith is. And friends, do you have such faith today? Jesus responds. He responds to Jairus' plea. He goes without even a recorded discussion. He just goes with him. But on the way to heal Jairus' daughter, Jesus is interrupted. There's a woman in the crowd, a woman who shouldn't have been there. This woman had been subject to some kind of uncontrollable menstrual bleeding for 12 years. And so not only was this woman physically sick, but according to Leviticus 15, this woman was ceremonially unclean. And anything or anyone she touched was considered unclean. So she should have remained socially distanced from the crowd that day, lest she spread her uncleanness. She was considered worse than contagious, and those in society would have shamed her, literally blaming her for her condition. When somebody was sick, Often, in that culture, they would look upon them and assume, well, that person is sick because they must have broken the rules somehow. They must have been careless about the law. They must have little concern about the well-being of others. So along with the tremendous suffering that this woman had because of her sickness, would have gone to tremendous amount of shame. She would have been considered unclean. And considering the average lifespan in those days... It's reasonable to guess that this woman, her bleeding had probably started since puberty, which means she'd probably never been married. And since it's chronic menstrual bleeding, it signaled she was unable to bear children, which was how women in that culture usually measured their value. So here's a woman, sick, shamed, alone, and perpetually feeling like a failure. And even worse, her condition left her impoverished. Mark records that what little money she did manage to get, she spent entirely on a cure, but only grew worse. She had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So not only had the doctors not managed to make anything better, they actually managed to make it worse. They didn't alleviate her suffering, they only increased it. And so like Jairus, this woman is desperate. And so what does she do? She throws herself at the feet of Jesus and reaches out to grab the corner of his cloak. And friends, she's healed. She's healed. But you know what? You can't pickpocket a blessing from Jesus. Jesus asks, who was it that touched me? Now, did Jesus really not know who had touched him? You know, it's interesting because the Greek in verse 32 literally says, and Jesus looked around to see her who had done this. To see her who had done this. Jesus already knew her. Jesus already knew her. And he knew exactly who had touched him, but he wanted to introduce her and himself to the crowd. So for the second time in this account, we find someone falling at the feet of Jesus, And this woman confesses to the crowd that she has pickpocketed a blessing. And she testifies to what Jesus has done, that he has healed her. Now imagine the reaction of the crowd. Now here's this woman with the stigma of sickness, assumed to be suffering because she must have broken the rules. Heedless of others' well-being, she violated all the social distancing protocols of the day. Potentially infecting others with her uncleanness. She's impoverished by her sickness, unloved by her husband, unable to bear children, isolated and alone. And the people in the crowd probably had all kinds of names for this woman, and very few of them were kind. And so when she revealed who she truly was, I can only imagine the murmuring in the crowd and the names that were leveled at her. But friends, hear the gospel. Hear the good news that Jesus spoke to this woman in Mark 5, 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Friends, the healing is great news. But even better news is the first word that Jesus utters. Daughter. There is no one else in the Gospels that Jesus ever calls daughter. Daughter. And who else did Jesus ever meet that needed to be called daughter? Suffering for years. Shamed. Apart. Unloved. Unwanted. Feeling broken. And Jesus, yeah, He healed her. But friends, even better, the Gospel. He called her daughter. And that summarizes the good news. She was cut off, she was cast off, she was fearful and far away, unwell and unclean. Jesus has the power not just to heal her body, but more importantly, in response to her faith, He made her His child, daughter. Friends, this is the Gospel. John writes in chapter 1, verse 12 of his Gospel, To all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children. Children of God. Friends, yes, Jesus has the power to heal our temporary sickness. But even more importantly, He has come with the power to make us eternally His children. Daughter and sons. Friends, this is good news. This is the Gospel. Is it your news? Have you heard the voice of Jesus calling you daughter? calling you son. Now, I'm sure this was a beautiful and a powerful scene. I, I also imagine that Jairus might have been having a little trouble sharing in the joy of the moment. You know, you remember Jairus had a daughter also. And so you couldn't fault him for probably standing there and patiently going, hey, listen, I was in line first. And the interruption proved pretty costly, didn't it? Mark 5, 35. While He was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Friends, while Jesus was speaking, as the words came out of Jesus' mouth calling this woman daughter, He heard another voice saying, Your daughter is dead. One daughter lived, and one daughter died in the span of two years verses, all because of Jesus' apparent disregard and delay. What do you do when God doesn't come through? What do you do when God's timing isn't your timing? Jesus' only words to Jairus in verse 36, do not fear, only belief. Friends, there's no promise in there. Simply do not fear, only believe. There's no promise, just a call to faith. Trust that I'm good. Trust that I'm sovereign. That I've got you and your daughter in the palm of my hand. Do not fear, only believe. And friends, can you? Because, you know, this is actually where you and I live most of our lives, isn't it? There's no explanation of why we're here. No explanation often of where we're going. Just an invitation to faith. To believe that He is good and that He holds you in the palm of His hand. Can you trust a God? Can you trust that He's good when He delays? Can you trust a God and trust that He's good when you don't get the explanations that you seek or the answer that you desire? Do not fear. Only belief. Now, Jairus knows he has nothing. He doesn't have anything else. So he allows himself to be led back to the house where the body of his dead daughter awaits. And they march. Jesus marches right through all the mourners who are gathered. And verse 39 says, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but sleeping. That's what Jesus says to the mourners. Now, now Jesus is not saying these people are stupid, that somehow they mistook a deep sleep for death. I mean, these people were smart enough to tell the difference between sleep and death. Jesus comes and he says, hey, listen, somebody has shown up now who has the power to roll back sickness, who has the power to reclaim a sick and a stigmatized suffering daughter. And I've shown up now with the power to wake up a daughter from the sleep of death. But what do the mourners do? They laugh. They doubt. But I notice that Jesus doesn't take any offense. He doesn't take any offense that they're laughing or they're mocking, because He knows that laughing and mocking are defense mechanisms of desperate, frightened people. And friends, nothing makes us more desperate or frightened than death. These people are afraid. Because we're afraid. We fear sickness because it points to death. And death is the final fear-filled, fearful enemy that we face. So in the face of death, the mourners in the story, they laugh and they mock. It's self-defense. And we, we do the same thing. We spend our lives denying and running from death. We entertain ourselves to the point of distraction. We might use products to make ourselves look younger and further from death. We spend all kinds of money on medicines and vitamins and supplements that we think will postpone our death a little bit longer. We avoid talking about death, in polite company at least, because somehow talking about it brings us face to face with it again. So the mourners laugh and the mock, and and we deny and we minimize and we run. All friends, because we fear sickness, because it points us to our enemy, death. Friends, we fear death because we believe that death will have the final word. We believe, wrongly, that death will have the final word. And the mourners mock Jesus because He's shown up, and He claims to speak a word that can roll back death itself. He goes, death doesn't get the final word. Somebody has shown up here who has a word that's even more final than death. Jesus takes a select group with Him into the darkness of the room and a little girl who should be full of life and song lays there still, silent, lifeless. And Jesus reaches down into the darkness of death itself. He takes the girl's hand and He restores her to the community. He restores her to her family. He restores her to life. And He declares in Mark 5, 42, Talitha kumi which is not a magic incantation. It's Aramaic. It's Aramaic for a little girl, I say to you, arise. Friends, Jesus gets the final word. Death does not get the final word. Jesus speaks a word more final and more authoritative than death itself. And death rolls back. Jesus' word can roll back sickness Jesus' Word can roll back death itself. Yes, this is good news. This is good news for the sick and the dying. But friends, for as good a news as this is, it's not THE good news. It's not THE good news. THE gospel. Because while Jesus walked the earth, He demonstrated He did have the power to roll back sickness and even raise the dead. But friends, Jesus didn't just come to give us a miracle. He didn't just come to give us a temporary rolling back of sickness and death. You know, I believe in miracles. And I believe they happen today. This world is too wonderful, too mysterious, and our God is too great and too compassionate for there not to be miracles. I am compelled to believe in miracles. But as I've said before, our ultimate hope is not found in miracles. Our ultimate hope is not found in miracles because they are only a temporary rolling back of death and its power. The bleeding woman that we met today, who was healed in the story, well, one day later on, she probably got sick again. And eventually, I promise you one day, either from sickness or old age, she died. So that miracle was amazing, but friends, it was only temporary. And the little girl raised from the dead that day, one day she got old or sick and she died again. God rolled back death, but it was still only temporary. Friends, no matter how great miracles and healings are, they're only temporary solutions. What you and I need, what you and I need if we're to stop living in fear of sickness and death, We need promise of more than a miracle. We need promise of more than a temporary healing or a momentary reprieve from death. We need something better than a miracle. And friends, Jesus has come to give us something better than a miracle. He's come to offer resurrection. What you and I need is to be made completely new. We need a permanent solution so that sickness and death no longer have any power over us. Jesus has come not just to bring us miracles that will temporarily roll back the power of sickness and death. Jesus was born to give us what you and I most need, resurrection. And all of his healings and his miracles testified to the fact that death would not have the final word. But Jesus came to give us more than those miracles, more than a temporary reprieve. Jesus came to suffer and die on the cross for our sins in our place, to rise again victorious on the third day. And as the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 6, verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Friends, this is the Gospel. Jesus has come to break death's power and dominion by His resurrection. Not just temporarily rolling back the power of sickness and death. Jesus has defeated death. He has broke its power eternally. The good news of great joy that we received that first Christmas was that we need no longer live in fear of sickness and death. The author of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14-15, through 15, since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all of those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. Friends, we need no longer live as slaves to the fear of sickness, of coronavirus of cancer, of even death. Because Jesus has broken death's power and dominion, and with His resurrection from the dead, Jesus has come not just to temporarily push back the power of sickness and death, Christ has come to defeat it. We are no longer slaves to fear of death. Yes, in this life we may get COVID-19. We may get cancer. We may get a host of any other ailments. And because miracles happen... Jesus by his power, he might choose to temporarily roll back the power of death and bring a healing. But the good news of the gospel is not a miracle. The good news of the gospel is that ultimately the power of sickness and death have been broken. And in Christ we have the ultimate victory over sickness and death because of the resurrection. Christ himself rose and so we too will rise. Eternally new. Death no longer having dominion over us. Sickness and suffering and death itself no longer enslaving us and making us afraid. This is the good news of great joy for all people that was brought that first Christmas. That Christ has not just rolled back temporarily sickness and death. Christ has come to defeat sickness and death. And by His resurrection, all the sad things have begun to come untrue. And one day, sickness and death will be completely and finally destroyed by the power of the resurrection. So our hope, friends, our hope is not in a miracle, although they do happen. Our hope is in resurrection. The good news of great joy that we heard that first Christmas is not that Jesus has come to prevent or to heal from COVID, cancer, or the common cold. It's that Jesus came to defeat sickness and death eternally. He's come not just to roll back death temporarily, but to destroy it. And more than that, the good news of great joy, friends, that we received that first Christmas, is that He who has the power over sickness and death itself has come to call you and to call me daughter and son. No longer sick and shamed, but son. No longer distant and dead, but daughter. Friends, this title destroys our shame, for even though we might be guilty as charged and sick with sin, the name of daughter, the name of son, assures us of forgiveness and his love. Christ was born that first Christmas to deliver us. To deliver us from slavery and fear of death. And to call us daughter and son. And friends who are here today or who are tuned in online, have you heard Him speak that assurance to you? Have you believed His power and reached out to touch the hem of His garment? Have you confessed your need and fallen at His feet? And have you by faith heard Him respond by calling you daughter, son? Because if you haven't, I would love to talk and to pray with you after the service so that you too might hear the voice of Christ speaking to you that name, daughter, son. And church, church, by faith, are you living the good news of great joy that your identity is now daughter of God, son of God. And this Christmas, will you invite others into the family that by faith, he or she might escape their slavery to fear, their shame and their sickness, and also become a daughter or a son. Because this is truly good news of great joy. This is good news of great joy to all people. And it's our commission now to live and to proclaim this truth. Daughter, son, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And may it be so. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for this good news of great joy for the sick, for the shamed, for the suffering, and for the dying. Thank You that death will not and does not have the final word. Thank You that Christ has the final word. Thank You that He has come. He has come to rescue us shamed and sick and stigmatized people and make us his daughters and his sons. Lord, thank you for this truth. May we live this truth. May we share this truth. And may you receive the glory and the honor and the praise now and forevermore. Amen.